Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Dave Melinda. Dave is the founder of Positive Polarity LLC, a Midwest-based coaching and training firm that brings solid growth to companies from over 30 years of real-world experience, where he grew his business to $10 million in annual sales before selling it. His number one Amazon best-selling book called Growing on Purpose details the importance of both the team and the customer and how, if treated properly, profit will follow. I love that concept. Thanks so much for joining me today, Dave. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on your show, Diane. I'm excited. I am too. Um, and so I, I have so many questions. Um <laughs> Well, I'll make them up. Like I said, I'll make them up as I go. So you're good. I know. I, you say that. Um, so here's my first question. Sure. Can a good team provide a bad customer experience? Well, I tell you what, that's a great question to start. And I think we as consumers can answer that question for ourselves. And generally speaking, it's really hard for a good team or a, I'm sorry, a bad team to provide a good experience. Um, people aren't engaged in their job. They're not customer focused. They're trying to find ways to not do things. They're trying to find ways to get out of things. So, uh, and we as consumers, we get caught up in that, whether it's at a fast food restaurant, I'm just trying to get a taco or a hamburger. And, you know, it, it seems like it's a real challenge to get that. Um, and then the experience is bad and then it goes downhill and then you tend to not want to go back. So my experience and my research showed, you know, Diane, that it's really hard for a bad team to actually provide a good experience. But I would ask you as a consumer, you know, do you see bad teams giving good experiences? No, I never do. But I'm wondering if the reverse is possible. Like, can a good team still give bad customer, you know, provide a bad customer experience? Yeah, it's harder for that. I mean, it's hard because usually, I mean, it's maybe misaligned. I would say it's not a bad experience. It might be misaligned. I might not understand the expectations of my customer. And I think the perception of the customer, I love that cartoon that shows you know, one gentleman looking at a six and then the guy opposite him looking at a nine, you know, and they both think they're right. And that's the thing is that, you know, I ask people all the time, do you feel customers are always right? And it's amazing the different answers that you get (laughs) from that piece. You know, no one wants to, no one wants to say, yes, the customer's always right because they feel like they're going to get taken advantage of. Conversely, nobody wants to say no, because then they are going to be labeled as, you know, this is a poor experience. Don't shop here because right. the customer's not always right. So it's a, it's kind of a catch 22. And, and that uh, that's that's the fun part of it. All right. So 
<clears throat> then it seems to me that we need to be strengthening our team if we want to be improving our customers' experience. So can you give the listeners some ideas on ways they can strengthen their team? Yeah. So, you know, when I wrote my book, um, that's the formula that we created was strengthening your team and improving your customer experience equals profit. And we have to start by understanding that the team is made up of people and each person is a little bit different. And because uh, old school tends to be like when my dad was in uh, the workforce, you know, the, the boss would be in the back corner office and you he'd be barking out orders. And if you didn't follow, you didn't work the next day. You know, it was pretty regimented back then. While the team today, you know, people are motivated by different things. People uh, need different environments to to thrive. I mean, I always say that if you buy a rose and you buy a cactus and you plant them inversely where you put the cactus in, you know, the in the soil and you water it every day, that's not going to live. Just like if you take that rose and put it in the actual uh, the sand and only water it once a month, that's not going to live. So I think that one of the ways you strengthening strengthen your team, Diane, is to make sure that you understand the makeup of your team. And we use DISC uh, personality assessments a ton, and that's a great way to actually understand your team because we all communicate different. We all are motivated by different things. And I, as a leader, if I think that you are motivated by the same thing I'm motivated by, you're usually wrong. And, you know, and we so often I have a a magic eight ball on my desk and it's in my hand right now. And, you know, we so often use that in our team development, thinking I'm going to ask a question and I'm hoping that I get the right answer. And and so I really want you to start. I prefer that people start by learning who's on their team. What 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 strengths do they have? Uh, what weaknesses do they have? How do they prefer to be communicated with? You know, um, how do they? What what environment will they thrive in? And once you do that, and you start to treat each person individually, it's just uh, it's it's amazing what happens because you feel like you're someone's paying attention to you. Somebody cares about you. I mean, right now, three out of four people leave their job because of their boss. And it's just such a sad state of affairs to think that, you know, we're the reason that people are leaving. So really invest time and energy in understanding your team is is a great place to start. So what do you say to the person who, who listens to that and says, you know, I don't have time to sit down and get to know every single one of my employees and then craft a plan and strategy for each one. Like it does, that doesn't feel scalable. Sure. All I can tell you is it, if it's not scalable, then you don't get mad at the results because if you're not going to invest the time, what are your options? You know, Diane, you can tell people, you know, like, again, go back to the old way. I'm the boss. You'll do what I say. You know, you can do it that way. Um, or you can do it this way. If you have a hundred people on your team, and I get that, right? So if you have a hundred people on your team, yeah, it's really hard to um, understand each one. I'm guessing that if you have a hundred people on your team, you're probably not interacting with all one hundred people. Yeah. 
there might be some different layers. So maybe you appoint somebody on your team, uh, a different layer to get involved. But we as human beings, when we don't feel cared for, I mean, we're why show up to work? You know, I mean, if you don't care if I'm there or not, you know, um, then why even be there? And and that's that to me is just like a tragedy to have a great team member, but they don't feel important because nobody's paying any attention to them. Um, so if you don't have the time, I would find somebody to do it or I'd make the time. And again, you don't have to do it all in a day. Uh, maybe, you know, you're meeting one or two people, you know, a day for 15 minutes. And again, it, it sounds like a lot, but they are producing a ton of, um, output for you. And to just make the assumption that no news is good news, I, I don't think is a smart, uh, business, uh, decision anymore. And what, what do you say to someone who says, um, you know, I, I tried that and and most people were really receptive to it, but I have a couple of people who no matter what I do or or say or ask or, or anything, it just, I can't seem to get them to, um, to, to dive in like I'm diving in with them. Yeah. And that's another great question. And I think that when you look at personalities, there are certain people that are people, people, I'll call them. And then there are people that are more factual people and trying to get an engineer type of brain, a a, a fact person, somebody that's really involved in wanting to get it right. And everything it hinges around that and it doesn't hinge around people. You know, those are going to be tougher nuts to crack for sure. But the reality is, is then you acknowledge that they are that way. And then you try to speak their language. And I always, I, I say like this, Diane, if I would have jumped on this call with you today and been on your show and you asked me the first question, and if I would have answered you in a language that you didn't understand, what would you have done? Um, well, I would have asked you to rephrase it or you know i would have said i'm not following right and that's the that's what happens a lot of times in our communication in the office on our team is we're speaking one language uh hypothetically and somebody else is speaking a different language and if you know we don't speak the same language we don't connect yeah and so the reality is is like some people talk really fast other people talk really slow you know and the fast person he just wants to get that stuff out and you know they just want to do 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 and checklist got it good done by and here's the person that's supposed to be taking that information and doing something with it and they're not even close to being on the same page and if i was the guy or girl that was the fast checker i checked it off my list hey i gave diane all that information if she can't handle it that's on her that's not on me and then they go about to their next task and there you're struggling trying to remember what was said. You're trying to remember the order and what it was said. And so again, um, you know, if you are not able to connect with somebody on your team, it's generally because you're expecting them to acclimate to your way. And if you can kind of be a chameleon and turn their color, you're going to have a much higher likelihood of being able to make that connection. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. 
Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzwar, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information. That sounds um, challenging for for most leaders. It is absolutely, but what's it, what are their alternatives? Right, I mean, right. you know, we right now Gallup said that two out of three people show up every day to their job not engaged. Yeah. So you know what? If I have thirty people on my team, according to Gallup, that's not me. I'm just repeating what Gallup said in 2023 yeah. that twenty out of those thirty people are not engaged, which means they're looking to find ways to get out of work. They're looking for way times to say it's not my job. They're the ones that you know at five o'clock, all you see are their headlights. Yeah. You know. And, and again, I'm not saying it's wrong, but that's what we have to deal with. And if we, you know, have people that are not paddling the boat, I look at it as a, as a canoe. If we had those, all those people on a canoe and only 10 of them were paddling, the other 20 people are just standing around or sitting around. So let's teach the other, let's teach some people how to row. So that we're able to, you know, imagine where a team could go if that 10 went to 15. If we just increased our output by 50%, that's that would be huge. And that's five people. And that's probably because you'd sit down and, and get to know them, um, understand them, validate them, have empathy for them. Those are pieces that they probably haven't had before. And yeah, it isn't easy. I, I wish it was super easy where you could sw- flip a switch and everybody showed up, got there early, stayed late, and you know just did an amazing customer experience job. But it just, unfortunately, that's not the workforce we have today. Yeah, well, that is for sure. And and do you think, or you know, do you have any information on whether customers will pay more for a better experience? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the numbers are staggering. It's in the 60 to 70% range of people that say they will pay more for a good experience. Wow. So let's just, you know, and people are like, oh, you can tell, you can ask whatever you want. You know, you don't know my customer. You don't know my product. You don't know my industry. I mean, I hear that all the time. Sure. And, and, and I'm not here to say that you're an exception. Maybe you are. And I'm totally open to that. 
I just think take half of that, just take that, let's use 70% as the number. And let's just say even a third of our customers would pay more for a better experience. That could be potentially, you know, uh, that's that's a profit game changer right there. If you can add, you know, a third to your bottom line because you're improving your experience. Yeah, right. You know, and we as consumers, it's the same thing. I mean, you know, I don't know how it is for you, but like for me, you know, I, I spend more on things that I feel I'm going to get a better experience. You know, if I'm getting my oil changed and it's $25 down the road, but you got to stand out in the parking lot in the rain or snow and it takes four hours and, you know, but it's $25, right? As opposed to $50 or whatever, you get to sit in a comfortable place, you get to do work, you get to eat something. I mean, people do that all the time. They pay more for a better experience and we just tend to have a blind spot there in business we think that there's nothing we can do. And I just did a, a a training with a group. There's about 30 people in the room and I challenged people. We stopped the time and said, you need to write down right now one or two things that you could do right now to improve your customer's experience. It can be little, it can be big. And once people started to get that uh, energy, they really started to get excited about, you know, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Um, You know, who knows what that looks like for people. Maybe we start taking checks where we weren't taking checks before. I don't know, again, what that is, but um, we have to look at this from the customer's perspective and help, uh, you know, they will help us to be able to say, hey, I will pay more for this experience, but this is how, you know, one of the ways that I would definitely pay more is by, you know, if you offered this. So I love to ask customers, if you're lost and you're stuck and you don't know how to improve your experience, one of of the great ways is just to ask your customers, what are some things we could do better? And they love to help you in that. And it's vulnerable and it's scary. And it's yeah. definitely outside your comfort zone, but it's definitely a spot where you you want to be so that you can uh, align your experience with what your customer wants. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, and, and I agree. I think it's, um, it, in the long run, it ends up being more cost-effective and more profitable, right? to spend the time building your team than trying to spend your time um, building your customer base. It's almost like when you build your team, then you will naturally grow your customer base. Right. And think of how expensive it is right now of cost of a poor hire. I mean, the statistics and the research is all over the board on what it costs to replace somebody. Um, you know, I had somebody on my podcast and we talked about like the two scariest words for an entrepreneur is when someone comes in and says, I quit. Yeah. I mean, that's brutal, especially if it's something that I did as the owner or as the leader that I could have prevented. And then I have to replace that person. And it's just so expensive. I mean, you know, I'm guessing it's somewhere in the on a C-suite type of thing or a sales professional level. It, it's it's in the fifty to hundred thousand dollar range. By the time you think of all the lost opportunity, the nine to twelve months of training, you know all the things that go along with the onboarding. So 
if we can strengthen our team and invest, either way we're investing. And that's the thing, Diane, is either way we're investing. We're either investing in that high turnover uh, and we're investing in finding people to fill the seats and then we got to onboard them. We're either investing there or we're investing that time to get to know our team. And it's just way more effective to invest that time to get to know your team than to keep replacing and rehiring. Yeah, it's so true. It's funny. This morning I was in a meeting and we were um, uh, we were I was talking about the difference between activity and productivity. And that's really what you're talking about. Right. You can spend the time, but how are you spending the time and, and where are you getting the biggest gain? Yeah. And I would much rather be building my team rather than have yeah. to recreate every year. You know, and and sports is a great example. Professional sports. I mean, you see these teams that you know start over, and they call it the rebuilding year or the rebuilding era. And you know, there's no expectation they're going to win much. There's no expectation that the fans are going to enjoy it. I mean, there's no wins there other than they're planning for the future. And I tell you, any investment in today's team, uh, anybody on your team is tomorrow's and, you know, tomorrow's payoff. So I, I, the earlier you can start it, I think the better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. So if somebody's listening to this and they're, they're hearing it and they're saying, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Is, is there some sort of like first step that they can go through to get the ball rolling? Yeah. And I, I tell you, I try to find as many of these things as I can that are free, you know, and, and, and I mean, right now in today's world, there's so much negativity, there's so much stress and pressure that, you know, I tell as many leaders as I can, you know, go out of your way to find somebody on your team and catch them doing something right yeah. and praise that person and, you know, acknowledge that person. You know, I see so often leaders, you know, catching people that are doing the wrong thing. You know, they love to catch people doing the wrong thing. You know, my first job was making pizzas at Shakey's. I was 15 years old. And I tell you, those guys, they couldn't wait till you did something wrong. It was almost like they were counting the pepperonis on the pizza, you know. And I was like, man, it was so demoralizing to be in that environment. And so I'm trying to help people. The first thing is to understand, like we said before, that your, your team is made up of people. And now that we know that, catch them doing something right. It doesn't cost you a penny to walk up to somebody and say, hey, I heard you on the phone with John, our great customer. Thank you. You you, you nailed that. Or, you know, I saw you do this. I heard you do that. Great email, whatever, you know, um, compliment people as often as you can. And if you're really as a leader not doing that on a daily basis, I think you're selling yourself short and you're selling your team short because people really need that daily encouragement and it has to be genuine and it has to be, you know, real. Um, I just, I think that's such a great place to start because you, you, you can build off of that. So I would just strongly encourage everybody listening. It's something that you can go ahead and do as soon as you're done listening to accelerate your business growth podcast, as soon as you're done, you can go find somebody to give a compliment to. Maybe it's your family, maybe it's somebody on the team, but just get in that habit of doing it. And I, I, I think people love hanging out with positive people, and it'll you'll be amazed at what'll happen on your team. I think that is such a great suggestion. 
And I so appreciate you spending this time with me. Will you share with the listeners, excuse me, how they can find you and, uh, and your book? Yeah, for sure. So my book is called Growing on Purpose. There were so many people that I run into that grow by mistake. So we created a pretty nice formula to grow on purpose. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. It's an Amazon number one bestselling book on uh, on that platform. And you can find me at davemelinda.com and be happy to help uh, flush this out with you any way that I can. Um, I think a lot of times we just are going so fast. We're so busy that we just don't have time to slow down. And I get that you might not be able to, but you either assign somebody, uh, contract it out, but somebody needs to really take a deep dive with your team and uh, you have it in place. Let's, let's maximize the team that you have before thinking about replacing everybody because it's not as easy to replace as it was 20 years ago when there were 10 people waiting in line. You know, um, I'll never forget that with my um, Shaky's job. There were 10 people waiting for that job. And I was wow. lucky that I knew somebody and I was 15 years old and it was a part time job after school. But there were 10 people waiting for that. We don't have, we have 10 jobs waiting for one person in a lot of this now. So, you know, it's not easy if you want to terminate people. I get it. But there are a lot of other things that we can do prior to that that tend to really be way more effective and uh, way more profitable in the long run. So DaveMelinda.com, be happy to, to explore any of that with you at any time. Excellent. Thank you so much. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with a purpose and a passion, whether you're 25, 85, or any age in between. Gain actionable financial and mindset tips from your favorite authors, podcasters, and influencers to help you reach that exciting next chapter. Listen now and start building your path to financial freedom and reframing what retirement can mean to you. This is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate.